Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Father, we just thank you for another week, another Sunday where we can come and worship you and just open your word and learn from you. We ask now that as we do so, that, that we may have hearts that are, that are open to what it is that you are saying and doing here among us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 95. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3, but we're going to go back to Psalm 95, which we read this morning. Because uh, Hebrews chapter 3 is actually sort of a, a mirror, or, or some would say a, a commentary on Psalm chapter 95. And so we'll see as we, as we go through Hebrews chapter 3 that, that the author uses Psalm 95 as sort of the, the base text for, for what he's talking about in, in Hebrews chapter 3. So, but before we, before we read Psalm chapter 95, I want to tell you a little bit about my, my week. Um, this last, uh, well, so a week before last, so about a week and a half ago, we were, Rachel and I were down in Cannon Beach, Oregon with her family. And um, we were talking and, and uh, I had met with Darren Nettleton a couple weeks before that. And we were having lunch, and he was talking about his drive back to, he's driving back to school. He goes to Wheaton. So he's talking about that, and I, um, we were talking about, you know, just doing road trips. I used to do road trips back to college all the time. And so we were just talking about that and talked about, you know, it would be fun to do that together. But uh, in reality, you know, I have a wife and son, and that probably wouldn't be a good idea. And so uh, a week and a half ago, Rachel said, you know what, I think you should do that. So I called up Darren and said, do you still want me to come with you? And he said, sure. So, so this is what we are riding in. Uh, this, this is Gus. Gus the bus. Uh, top speed is about 62 downhill. Um, and, and about 55 on the flat, going through the passes uh, about 35, um, if we're lucky. But uh, that was Gus, and so on Tuesday, Tuesday around 11.30, Darren and I headed out. We made it to Ellensburg, had some car trouble after Ellensburg, but we got, got back on the road, and uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday morning, he dropped me off at the Minneapolis airport and made his way down to Wheaton in Chicago, and I flew home. So that, that was my week. Uh, and... And that, we'll, we'll come back to Gus in a little while, but uh, let's, let's look at Psalm 95 one more time here. We're not going to read the whole thing again because Jim read that for us, but I just want to point out that there are really two parts to Psalm 95, and I don't know if you noticed that, but um, the, the first part of it is, is very worshipful. It focuses on God's, on God's glory and, and His goodness and His faithfulness and his, his, the way in which He cares for his people and is faithful for his people. And I don't know if you noticed this as, as we were reading, but it, it ends sort of on a, on a downer note, doesn't it? It's, and, and so you're reading and it's, come let us worship and bow down. Come let us sing to our God. And then in, at the end of verse 7 and, and into verse 8 through the rest, uh, today if you only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And it, and it quickly turns to this, 
to this challenge, to this, to this sort of downward movement of, of the psalm. And so I want to just point that out to you as we move into Hebrews chapter 3. So I, um, if you'd like to turn now to Hebrews chapter 3, we'll see how, how the, the author of Hebrews uses, uses this psalm to really to build his argument. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that's going on in this passage, but for our purposes this morning... What I want to draw your attention to is this. this. This, these six verses here would be the first part of Psalm 95 for us. They, they point specifically, whereas Psalm 95 pointed specifically to, to God's faithfulness for his people Israel. Uh, this, this passage, verses 1 through 6, are pointing to Christ's faithfulness to his people. Christ's faithfulness... Uh, Comparing him to Moses, saying even more than Moses was faithful as a servant of God, Christ was faithful. And so this is, this is the first half. And what we're really going to focus on now is the second half of this psalm. And the second half of the passage. So he quickly turns then. We have, we have the downward movement. And, and here we, we have the quotation from Psalm 95. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold firmly to the end of our original conviction. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. What I want us to focus on today, what, what happens in this psalm and, and what happens in Hebrews chapter 3, is the beginning focuses on the faithfulness of God. The beginning of Hebrews chapter 3 focuses on the faithfulness of Christ. 
And then the shift, the contrast that, that we're supposed to pick up here is do not be unfaithful to the faithfulness that God has shown you. And so in verse 12 here, when, when, we, when we begin our commentary on, on the song, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. That word unbelieving there is unfaithful. It's the Greek word, they just put, a, put an A before it and it becomes, it becomes unfaith as opposed to faithfulness. And so, so the author here is really contrasting the faithfulness of Christ, the faithfulness that Christ has shown you, and then the challenge, do not be, do not be unfaithful. When, when you see this, and, and this is what, so this is what's happening. The, Psalm chapter 95 is, is a commentary on the Exodus story, which happened in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We have, we have this story. And so Psalm 95 is commenting on, on these events in which the people of Israel were unfaithful. And, and the psalmist is writing and he's, and, he, and he's speaking of God's faithfulness and he says, Do not be like that generation. Do not be like that unfaithful generation. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but remain faithful. So this is, so, so we have, over here we have the Exodus story. And then we have Psalm 95 commenting on the Exodus story. And then we have Hebrews chapter 3 commenting on the commenting of the Exodus story. And it's saying, essentially, do not be like that generation. When you see the faithfulness of God, you've experienced the faithfulness of Christ. Do not be unfaithful. Do not lose that faith. See to it that you do not turn away, but hold firm to the end. And he's writing to people who, who are in the midst of... Uh, whether, whether it's happened already or it's, or it's going to happen soon, that persecution is happening. They're going to experience extreme persecution to the point that some, uh, later on he says that some have resisted to the point almost of death. None have, none have experienced death yet, but it's, but it's coming. This sort of persecution is happening. And he says, do not lose heart. Do not look at the troubles that are coming and lose your faith in what Christ has done for you. Do not walk away from that. Do not see these hardships and, and say, this is, this is not worth it. Do not lose the faith. Do not cease to trust that God will provide for you. Do not cease to trust that God is in control, that God is taking care of you, that, that Christ is faithful to you. Do not lose faith in that. Um, the thing, that, the thing that he's really saying, um, to use, to go back to Gus here, uh, is he's saying, do not, on this journey, do not fall asleep at the wheel. Do not, as you set out on this journey that God has called you to, this life of faith, do not get sidetracked. Do not fall asleep and veer off the road. Continue moving forward. Continue to be alert. As the persecutions come, do not, do not fall asleep on your faith. Do not let it go. And this, and, and this is the challenge for us today. This is what I want us to think about today. Because, because the reality is, uh, none of us, when you get into a car, 
No, I don't think anybody gets in the car thinking, you know, I'm on this trip and I'm feeling pretty tired. I'm probably going to fall asleep, but I'll just drive anyway. It doesn't happen. You think, you think, you know, I got my coffee, I got my Mountain Dew, I got my snacks, I got, you know, uh, Tom Drenth taught me to brush your teeth if you're getting tired while you're driving. Um, that, that was my trick one time. There's one, okay, let me tell you this story real quick. So, like I said, I've done, I've done these trips before. There's one time, the first time I did this by myself, uh, I, I got out of Idaho and into, into Montana, and if, you're, if you've ever gone that way, you know that Idaho, Montana is where the time changes, right? Uh, and the important thing to remember when the time changes is that when you go, when you're moving east, the time goes forward, not backwards. So what happened is I, I went a clock and asked Cross and I accidentally set my clock backwards an hour. So, so in reality, when it's four o'clock, I think it's two o'clock because there's like there's an hour that went and an hour that it's. So I'm I'm really off, right? And so I get to the point where it's like, well, it's only like six o'clock, so I'm not going to stop yet. I'll keep going. It's well, it's only eight o'clock. You know, I can drive till ten. Um, I get to I get into Wyoming, Sturgis, Wyoming. Uh, is having their Harley Davidson festival, and there is not there is not an open hotel room for a hundred miles within Sturgis. It's just there. there I finally found one room. It was going to be seventy five dollars. It was a smoking, and I was just like, forget it. I'll just I just keep going. It's not that late anyway. I'll just keep driving. Um, I'll keep driving until I find something better. So um, about the time that I was in South Dakota, and I I crossed the next time zone, and and now it was two o'clock in the mo- two o'clock in the morning, and the sun is coming up. That's when I realized, okay, I did something wrong here. Uh, but by then I was like almost there, and and I was I figured whatever I'll just go on to like it's morning. I'm not going to get a hotel room now. So, um, and I had a really small Honda Civic. I couldn't really sleep in that thing. So, I ended up just driving through the night. But I brushed my teeth. Thanks to Tom Drenth, I stayed awake, and um, that has nothing to do with anything, other than other than the fact, uh, other than the fact that that when you get out, when you set out to drive, you are not planning to fall asleep. If you if you knew you were going to fall asleep, you wouldn't you wouldn't get in the car, right? Um, and so you do things to keep yourself awake. And when you when you begin to feel tired, and usually what happens. How many, how many of you have ever been in a situation where you're driving and, and you are starting to fall asleep? Okay, so I'm not alone here. Uh, usually, the, you, you do things, right? You do things to try to keep, keep yourself awake, but, but you get to this point where, where you, you, your, your mind starts telling you, oh, I just, just close your eyes for just like half a second, right? And, and, then, and then you wake up, that's not a good idea, that's not a good idea. And then, and then it's, you know, your body is telling you it's okay just, just for a couple seconds. And of course, when it's just a couple seconds, you're, it's not just a couple seconds. You're falling asleep until you hit the rumble strips on the side of the road. And then you're awake um, and, and you realize, okay, I really need to pull over. I really need to stop. I need to rest. I need to get, get alert again to get back on the road. This is what the author of Hebrews is telling his people. Do not fall asleep. And when you feel yourselves falling asleep, uh, do what it takes 
to wake yourselves back up, to return to the faith that you have had. It says, see to it that none of you has sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And then verse 14, we, 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold firmly to the end of our original conviction. He's saying, in the midst of your persecution, do not fall asleep on your faith. Do what it takes to wake yourself back up and, and to, to live faithfully. And as I was thinking about this passage and thinking about the situation that, that the audience of Hebrews was facing, to me, what, I'm, what I was realizing is I don't, I don't understand this world. I don't understand the world of persecution. Um, Sure, we, we experience maybe some, some forms of criticism or attacks from, from those who disagree with Christianity in our world, but we don't, we don't understand persecution. We don't understand persecution like, like they were experiencing. We don't understand persecution like people around the Christians around the world today experience, where they are afraid for their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ where they, they don't know what's going to happen to their family today or tomorrow. That, that they have to come to worship in secret using, using fake names or, or hiding in the dark because they're afraid for what could happen to them. We don't understand this. I don't, I don't understand that world. And so I, I'm thinking about what is it that causes me to lose my faith? What is it that causes me to, to, to fall asleep behind the wheel of my faith? And the reality is that for me, it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's comfort that causes me to lose my faith. It's, it's, it's the things that cause me to choose, I'm going to live for myself today rather than for God. This is, this is what he's talking about when he talks about being unfaithful. It's to choose our own desires, to choose our own way over what God has given us. And so for me, it's, uh, it's comfort. It's, it's inconveniences. It's, it's, you know what? I would rather spend a couple hours on Facebook uh, than... than go out and, and live my life the way God wants me to. I'd rather, I'd rather do that than pay attention to what's happening around me, to, to invest in my family, to invest in the church that God has, has placed me in. I would rather, I'd rather not actually have to share my faith with somebody because it's kind of awkward and I don't know really how that relationship will go afterwards. It's, I, I, I actually just rather, rather than, you know, get into God's Word right now, I, I think I'd rather just watch TV. It's, it's the comfort, it's the easiness of life that causes me to lose my faith. That causes me to say, I'd rather live for myself right now than for God. It's selfishness, it's, 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 I, have, I have this money and I could use it to, to do God's work and I could, but, but I'm really saving up because I want a new iPad. 
um, or or I want I want to have some extra spending money for this or for that. There are all sorts of things that I know that I ways that I live my life for myself. And what this what this selfishness really is is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith that God his way is better than mine. And I choose to live for myself really on a daily basis. I choose my way over God's way. And I, and this this is where Hebrews chapter 3 uh, hits home for me. See to it that you don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Jesus talks about this in, in Matthew chapter 13 when he tells the parable of the sower. He talks about four soils, right? There's the, there's the path. The, the seed just gets snatched up. doesn't even take root. There's the, there's the rocky soil where it just get, the seed takes root, but there's, there's nothing to root down into, and so it grows up and gets scorched by the earth. There's, there's the thorny soil, and there's the good soil. And the thorny soil, I think, this is the one that speaks to me, because Jesus says the, the thorny soil, the worries of the world, the, the love of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, these are the things that choke out the seed that falls in the thorny ground. And I see, I examine my life, and I see what God could be doing through me and in me. And so often it gets choked out by the deceitfulness of wealth, the comfort of my life. And I think I'd much rather be comfortable than to step out in faith and do something risky or challenging for God. And the author of Hebrews says, we have come to share in Christ if we, indeed we hold firmly to the end of our original conviction. When we come to faith in Christ, so often we're excited about this. We want to serve Him. We want to live for Him. When we, uh, a few weeks ago, we're, we were at camp together. When you hear God's Word and you, you think, yes, this is what I want. This is what I want for my life. It's so easy to lose that down the road. It's so easy. And, and the challenge that the author of Hebrews is making is don't lose that. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. What you had, hang on to it. Grasp it firmly. Don't lose what God has done for you. Don't turn away from the life that God has for you. And he says to act on faith, to, to remain faithful, to act on faith. Um, the question is this, do, do you really believe and do I really believe that God is here with me now? Do I believe that God is working in my life? Do I believe that God has a plan for me, that he wants to use me, that he is going to protect me? Do I, do I really believe those things? Do you really believe those things? It's easy to say, yes, I believe those things, but so often my actions reflect the fact that I don't really trust that God can protect me, that God can provide for me. And I think I need to, I need to make sure that I have enough saved up to provide for myself. I really need to be in a position where I can protect myself and my family, not, 
that, that I can do this better than God can. And the challenge is, do I really, do I really trust, do I really believe that God can do it and that he will do it? Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to jump ahead because next week is our last week that we'll be going through this series that we've been doing as we have been reading through the New Testament and the Old Testament um, in our Bible readings together that um, next week will be the last. So we're going to jump ahead to Hebrews chapter 11 because we won't get there otherwise. But here's what, here's what the author of Hebrews has to say about faith. And, and this, is really, this is what Hebrews is, is doing throughout the arc of this letter. Is to re, talking about faithfulness in the midst of persecution. Talking about God's faithfulness and how do we respond. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Being sure that God is in control. Being sure that God will do what he has said that he will do for us. Being willing to trust, even when it doesn't make sense. I mean, this, this is really faith. When we say we trust God, uh, and we do it in a way that makes complete sense, and we can explain it and rationalize it, that's not really faith. That's just trust. But when we have faith, it's being certain of something that we cannot see. We cannot know for sure what God is going to do. It's, it's saying, God will protect me. It, it's like... Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say in Daniel, God will, we believe that God can and will protect us, but even if he does not, we are going to remain faithful to him. And this, this is what the author of Hebrews says. So faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise." And so from this one man, he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as all the sand on the seashore. The passage continues about Abraham, about Isaac, about Jacob, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, by faith uh, the walls of Jericho fell, by faith Rahab. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, all of these people of faith. And let me tell you the difference between all of these people and and you and I. Nothing. There's, There's nothing that was special about them. That we that we look at them they well of course they had faith because No. They they are humans, they were they were sinful, just like the rest of us. And yet, they, we, we look to them because in these situations, they saw what God was doing. They looked around and they said, I am going to trust God in this situation. And I'm going to act on my faith 
because I believe that God is in control here. And, and this, this is what we are called to in faith. And so, jumping down to verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. They had faith, and they didn't see the outcome of the faith. So often it would be easy if we, if we could just say, well, of course, if, if I knew how this was going to turn out, I would trust God in this situation, because I know that He's in control. None of them knew what was going to happen. None of them had special insight into God's plan to say, okay, yes, I know this, this, this. They, they just trusted that God was in control. By faith, they lived their lives. It wasn't just, I believe this to be true, but their faith led them to act on their trust in God. Verse 40, God had planned something better for us, so only through, only together with us would they be made perfect. And then here, verse 12, or chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The author of Hebrews brings us back to what he's talking about in chapter 3. Focus on the faithfulness of Christ. Look to the faithfulness of Christ and what he's done in you so that when you feel tempted and when you get distracted by the deceitfulness of sin, you, you focus on his faithfulness and trust in him again and again and again. And you, and you, and you let go of those things that distract you from the life that God wants for you. Because there are so many things in our lives that, that do this, that, that want to just slip in and, and just, well, I, you know, I just need to close my eyes for a half a second here. There are so many things that pull us away and distract us. Just, just a brief thing, that, and, and we close for a half a second, and then a couple seconds, and pretty soon we're on the rumble strips. Um, and if we're not careful, we're in the ditch. And, and the author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on him. Continue to focus on him as you go along this journey. And he says this, throw off everything that hinders. The sin that so easily entangles. Throw it off. Uh, Paul says in Colossians, put it to death. Kill it. It's, it's got to go. Get, get rid of it in your lives. If it's distracting you from the life that God has for you, then it doesn't belong in your life at all. Don't close your eyes for half a second just because it's enjoyable right now. Throw it off. He says, throw off everything 
that hinders. No one, no one sets out to fall asleep behind the wheel. But the reality is, we lose sight of where we're going. We get distracted. We get, we get bogged down. We get tired. And we begin, we begin to drift off. And the challenge, the challenge of Hebrews is to throw off, to throw off everything that hinders. There's one last thing here. Let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 3. I think this, this, may be, this may be the most important part in doing what we're talking about this morning. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And this is, this is really good news. God knows what He's doing when He creates the church. When he, when he brings us together, He says, encourage one another daily. Uh, when, you're, when you're on a road trip and you're with somebody and you realize you're... The, the worst thing when you're, when you're starting to feel tired is when you're in a car and maybe it's just one other person, maybe it's six or seven people, you know, you're in a van coming back from camp or whatever, and you, you look in your rearview mirror, you look to the person next to you, and everyone else is asleep. And you're thinking, oh, come on, guys, like, help me out here, right? And so, and so here's what you do. You, 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 you get your guy in the, in the passenger seat and you, and you hit him or you throw something at him if he's too far away, and you wake him up. And you say, I, I need you to talk to me. I need, you to, I need you to help keep me awake right now. Have you done that before? Uh, and and this, is what, this is what the author of Hebrews is saying. Encourage one another daily. And I love this. As long as it's called today. Uh, all, which means every day. As long as it is today, then, then this is your job. Encourage one another daily so that you... So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And this is our responsibility here within the church. As long as it is called today, that means that we don't just do it on Sundays. That means we don't just do it on, on Wednesdays when we get together in the middle of the week. It's a daily practice. As long as it is called today, encourage one another so that you are not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That we, that we speak into the lives of each other and remind each other that God will be faithful and that we can rely on Him, that we can trust in Him. We don't have to trust in ourselves anymore. That we don't have to rely uh, on these things that pull us away, these things that distract us. That, that we challenge each other. We, we look into each other's lives and say, I see this is pulling you away from your walk with the Lord. I see this is, this is causing you to, to lose your faith in Him. To lose your ability to trust in Him. I see this is happening. And, and, I, and I'm here to tell you, you need to do something about it. This, this is our responsibility. This is what the church is about. And so we do, this, we do this as individuals. Maybe you have one person 
that holds you accountable, that you, that you meet with on a weekly basis, weekly basis maybe every other week, uh, maybe once a month, that, that this person will speak into your lives and, and tell you honestly what needs to go. Maybe you have a group, maybe you have a small group where you meet and you do this together. Maybe it's, maybe it's just within your family. Maybe it's, maybe it's a group of friends. Maybe it's, maybe it's really informal. Maybe it's just friends that you get together with on a regular basis, but you know that they will speak the truth to you. That they will challenge you. That they will, they will look and say, you, your heart is becoming hard to what God is doing. You're being choked out by your love of comfort versus what God has for you. And I want to challenge you, if you do not have an individual, if you don't have a group where that's happening, to find one. We have small groups in our church that we can get you plugged into. If you'd rather not have it be something really official, that's fine. Just find some people that that you are walking with who who will speak into your life and say, "This, this is where you are being pulled away. This is where you're falling asleep. And they'll, they'll... if they have to, they'll hit you and say, wake up. And that you have these people around you to keep you awake behind the wheel. Because so it is so, so easy to fall asleep. I see this in my life. I see this on a daily basis. And so I need, on a daily basis, someone to say, wake up. Wake up. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for a community of people who, who desire to live lives of faith for you. And we ask now, as we have, as we have looked at Hebrews 3, we've looked at Psalm 95, that we may hear this challenge that we may soften our hearts to what it is that, is that we have in our lives that are distracting and pulling us away from the life that you have for us. God, we ask for courage and strength to throw off everything that hinders, to run with perseverance this race that you have marked out for us, fixing our eyes on you, Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Pray this in your name. Amen. Around you. At the people around you. Uh, this, this is your church. These are the people uh, who you are to encourage daily. These, these people here. Um, the challenge of Hebrews Do not harden your hearts to what God is doing. Throw off everything that hinders. You do this, but you are not alone in this. These people around you are with you. In fact, let's do this. Uh, Look around at everybody around you. Uh, We do this at weddings from time to time. Well, I think always here, and, and um, where who you know they say, um, do you so and so take you know? Will you promise to honor and protect and 
Will you? And then, and then they look to the community, right? They look to the people who are there and say, will you, family and friends, promise to uphold and support them in prayer? Um, this is what I want to do. Will you, Berean Bible Church, will you promise uh, to soften your hearts to what it is the Lord is doing in your lives? And will you look to your community? Will you encourage them? Will you pray for them? Will you challenge them? To live lives of faith for God. If so, say we will. We will. All right. You heard them say that. You said that. Uh, the challenge, do it. Do not walk out of here um, and be the seed that falls on the, in the rocky ground and just harden your hearts to what God's doing. Don't let it be choked out by the deceitfulness of, this, of sin in our world, but live challenging, encouraging one another as long as it is called today.